And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Good morning, Evangel. And um, I'm just very happy to be here with you. As Pastor Ryan said, that I'm going to continue the message on um, the influencers of the Scripture. Today, I'm, I'm going to talk with you about the ultimate influencer, which, of course, is Jesus. And the Apostle Paul, in Philippians, the third chapter, begins to tell us how important his walk with Jesus was. And um, he actually said in Philippians uh, chapter 3 and verse 7 that what things were gained to him, those he counted loss for Christ. And um, he said, I actually just count them as dumb because he saw the walk with Christ as so much more gainful. This is what Paul said about his relationship with the one that influenced him the very most. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. This morning, I'd like to explore with you how do we do that? How did the Apostle Paul do it? He said, I want to know him. And that word know there is to experience. I want to experience him. I want to have an inward relationship, not just an outward casual relationship. I want to be intimate in my knowledge of him. The word intimate means to be well acquainted with. I learned this um, some years ago that the word intimate has the same root word as our word intestine. And um, it seems that Paul wanted to know Jesus in the very deepest part of his being. I learned that the intestine is a very sensitive part of the body. Uh, I even heard that if a surgeon during surgery lays his hand on someone's intestine, it could take up to 24 hours for the intestine to begin to work again. Um, that's why they won't let us out of the hospital when we've had surgery until our organs, uh, all of them, including the intestines, they know is going to work. Here's the question. How can we get to know Jesus more intimately? The one that has influenced our lives so much. Well, here's what the, Paul, the Apostle Paul did. He chose to follow Jesus. He said, I, I want to know more about you, so I'm not going to leave you. I, I'm going to follow you. And I hear what Jesus said, and Paul must have heard this in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. He said in Luke chapter 9 and verse 57, Lord, I will follow you 
whithersoever you go. And then in the Gospel of John chapter 10, verse 27, he said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If you want to get to know me, Jesus is saying, you've got to follow me. The question is, where do I follow him to? How do I experience this knowing him the way Paul passionately pursued? You follow him. I thought at one time when he said, take up your cross daily and follow me, um, that it meant follow me to a foreign land as a missionary or follow me as a minister or follow me as a teacher. But really and truly, he wants us to follow him to some of the places that he went where he modeled for us certain characteristics of his character. He said, if you'll follow me to these places, you'll get to know me. First of all, I want us, there's a lot of places that we can follow him to in scripture. But I want us to follow him to the upper room. Because in the upper room, he modeled for us how to have a servant heart. And then he went to Gethsemane. And in Gethsemane, Jesus taught us how to have a surrendered heart. Then follow him to Golgotha. It was at Golgotha or Calvary that he modeled for us how to have a sacrificial heart. Follow him to the tomb because in the tomb he modeled for us how to have a sacrificial, supernatural heart. You have to go with him regularly to these places. Let's look at the upper room. I can't get over what God taught me at the upper room. I don't ever want to get over it. Because it's in the upper room that he who created the feet was now washing the feet. The scripture says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, For by him were all things created. The one that created all things. He took off his garments, wrapped himself in a towel, took a basin of water and washed their feet. He washed the feet of Peter and John and James and he also washed the feet of Judas. When he began to work in this modeling of how to serve, he taught us the purpose. Was it just a custom? No. What he did, he gave us an example of how to serve. He, he knelt down and he took their feet, their dirty feet, and he washed them. I look at this as being a servant as a pastor for 
almost 50 years. There were times that God called upon me to be taught that this was not just a sacrament or an ordinance. This was an example of how to treat your fellow man. I remember one of the ladies in my church in my earlier years of ministry. I went to visit her in the hospital and she had cancer. She had taken a, a, a chemotherapy and the chemo was making her sick. She had no family. And she told me after I was with her for a few minutes, she said, Pastor, you have to leave. I'm going to be sick. But there was nobody to help her. So I went into the bathroom and wet some cloth, got a basin, and came back. And I held her head while she vomited. And I put the cold cloth on her forehead. And I stayed with her. As I left, Jesus spoke to me and he said, that's what I had in mind when I washed the disciples' feet. You see, there's people in our lives that it may be unpleasant, it may not be what we would envision for ourselves, but they have needs. And those needs, Jesus requires his body to be servants. And so he, he taught us how to be a servant. Follow him now to Gethsemane. And he teaches us how to have a surrendered heart. Mark 14 and verse 32, Jesus had come to Gethsemane and he told his disciples, sit here while I go pray. And verse 33, the scripture says, as he went to pray, he was sore amazed. That means he was, he was filled with horror, the human part of Jesus. And he was filled with deep distress. And the scripture says he began to be very heavy. Depression, oppression came upon him because Jesus in the man didn't want to suffer the way he was about to suffer. And Jesus, the deity, understood what he was about to partake of. And Jesus then said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. And he told the disciples, tarry here and watch. And he went and he prayed. And he asked God, take this cup away from me. This cup with the distilled sinful nature within it that all of sin of all the world the root causes not just the symptom but the root cause of sin he was going to literally drink within himself one who never knew any sin and he bows down before the father and he said if it's possible take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. I see here surrender versus commitment. Commitment, 
means that you can uncommit. Surrender means you're at the mercy of who you surrender to. It was a call for us to, to surrender ourselves and to be able to say, Lord, I'm going to be helpless. I want you to guide my life. I want you to guide. We don't have time to get into the theology of Gethsemane. We all know that Jesus knew he was going to the cross. We all know that the cross was not an afterthought. We all knew that Jesus was going to bear our sins. He knew he was going to the cross. What happened at Gethsemane was not verbal gymnastics. He literally looked into the cup and he prayed and said, I don't want this. He even bled. His capillaries burst as he was in such stress that his sweat became his blood. And he said, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. He knew he was going to experience guilt and he had never been guilty. He was going to experience shame. He had never been ashamed. He was going to experience separation from the Father and he had never been separated. God, if it's possible, let this pass from me. Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Third, let's follow Jesus to a place called Golgotha, Calvary. And there he models for us a sacrificial heart where that he yields himself to the will of the Father sacrificially. Now I want you to hear me. Positionally, we've been to the cross with Christ. You see, what Jesus did at the cross was die. He died there. What do we do at the cross? We die. And we know that we do this positionally, doctrinally from the Scripture. In Romans 6 and 6, he said, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Positionally, Paul understood it. He said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. This old man was taken to the cross and positionally we died with cross with Christ when we went to the cross. I've heard the song sung when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Beautiful song. But the fact is, I wasn't on his mind. I was with him. I was there with him. You were there with him. He took all of mankind to the cross with him. He died 
for our sins so that our sins could be forgiven. What a sacrifice. Positionally, Jesus killed Adam and the fallen nature on the cross. He wants us to follow him. And that's what baptism's all about. In baptism, we die because he died. We're buried because he was buried. We come out of the water because he arose. So positionally, we've been with him. Here's the thing. Practically, we have to go with him every day. Luke 9 and 23, Jesus said, Take up your cross daily and follow me. We have to allow Jesus to apply the cross to our flesh, to our sin, to our self every day. God wants to prepare us for the day with us experiencing the cross. That's why daily morning devotions are so vital. Life comes out of death. And Jesus knows that. God does this. He brings us daily to the cross. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11 says that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. One more place we can follow Jesus. To the empty tomb. And there he models for us a supernatural heart. We change. We're no longer the same person that we were. We now have something different than this world. We have something that will dominate this world because we have experienced the life of the Spirit of God. And that life gives us a supernatural example of how powerful that it is. Because when we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells us in order for us to do the most important supernatural thing that we'll do on earth. And that is forgive. To forgive. In Luke 17 verses 1 through 6, Jesus gives us an example. He said to his disciples, it's impossible but that offenses will come. But woe unto them through whom they come. It's better that a millstone is tied around their neck and them hanged than to offend a little one. And Jesus said to his disciples, take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Forgive him. This is probably the most neglected yet most powerful example of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and salvation that we have. That we are willing to forgive those who hurt us. Those who might offend us. And we carry this offense. When he told his disciples, he said to them, 
If your brother trespass against you seven times in a day and seven times repents, forgive him. And the reaction of the disciples was, Lord, increase our faith. We, we need more faith if we do that. But Jesus knew that just salvation and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is enough power to forgive anybody, anything. And so he said, you don't need more faith. He said, if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you can say to the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up of the root and cast into the sea and it'll obey you. It will obey you if you decide genuinely by the Holy Spirit power in you that you're going to forgive. There's no way Satan can keep you from reacting and doing it. I want to take you to the Gospel of John chapter 20 and I show you something that I saw that is a beautiful thing in verse 22. Jesus breathed on his disciples. This was the day of his resurrection after he'd come back from heaven and was beginning to have fellowship with his disciples. In verse 22, he breathed on his disciples and said to them, receive you the Holy Spirit. But then he said something extremely exciting. He said, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. He said, you have a choice. You can choose to forgive and they are released from the sin against you. Or you can choose to retain it into your heart and what they did against you, they will be accountable for it. It's an interesting and I think powerful verse of scripture because he was telling us this is how this supernatural forgiveness works. You choose. There's people that have hurt me in life. They've said all manner of things about me and to me and, and uh, uh, I had to choose. Do I want the anointing of the Holy Spirit in my life for ministry or do I want to wallow in the hurt? I read this and, and it tells me that when I receive the Holy Spirit, his number one job is to empower us to forgive. Because once we forgive, we are free. I'm asking you today, are you free? Have you, with all of your heart, sought for? And you say, well, give me a biblical example. Well, Jesus is one on the cross. You hear Jesus say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He genuinely forgave. And some of you would say, well, but that was the Son of God. Well, let me take you to another one. 
His name is Stephen and he's just addressed an extremely carnal group of believers and he he used some strong language with them and they chose to stone him and as he was dying being stoned in Acts chapter 7 and verse 60 Stephen said Lord do not lay this sin to their charge and when he said this he fell asleep he died here's what I think Stephen saw I think Stephen saw that they had a multitude of sins in their life. He didn't want the one against him to be one that they had to face. He didn't forgive sin as Jesus does. He forgave sin as the Holy Spirit in him empowered him to where he would say, I'm not going to hold that against you. I'm going, I'm going to reach out in love and love never fails and I'm going to say I release you I release you would you follow Jesus today would you follow him in scripture would you follow him not with some ready made doctrinal position where that uh, you want to just speak words and get your new car or new house but where that you want to know him as Paul did and the beauty and the passion of his love and his power let's pray Father I ask you to bless this precious church today may they choose to walk in forgiveness. May they choose to live in forgiveness. Set them free. And Lord, help all of us to follow you. Lord, I love you. They love you. Now bless them today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.